Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me here today. Fun show planned for you uh, as we continue to talk Auburn basketball and we talk SEC tournament, talk uh, NCAA tournament seating and uh, and everything going on with the bubble and that sort of thing. Uh, we today on the show we'll get into some NFL Combine stuff as some Auburn Tigers participated at the Combine, but also some of the uh, rumblings coming out of the Combine, some of the opinions of of certain prospects that we've got to hit on at 4:30 today. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us to talk Auburn basketball and some more spring football. And then, as always, a nightly TV guide and a, um, a look at birthdays and sports and a lot to do today on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. And of course, your phone calls on the Auburn Make phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Again, Ryan, Brooks, and Tom with you here today. Brooks, we'll start with you. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. It's a great Tuesday here on the Plains. Um, got got out this weekend and uh, was able to go to the uh, softball game on Friday versus South Alabama. Got to see the so I got to see the softball team firsthand for the first time this year. I uh, was at the men's basketball game on Saturday and then uh, went to the baseball game on Sunday against Lipscomb. So got to see the softball and the baseball teams first time this year firsthand and uh, you know it, it, it's hopefully can, they can continue their winning ways. I know baseball's got a big one tonight hosting UAB at, at Plainsman Park. And, uh, yeah, it's tournament time in, in basketball. I know the ACC tournament started today. First game going on right now between uh, Georgia Tech and Florida State. You've got uh, a couple other tournaments tipping off to today and tomorrow. I think Big 12 in, tips off. Uh, do they tip off today? Or do they wait uh, till tomorrow? Because they're check, a Saturday finish. By, by the end of tomorrow, I think just about and, everything will have started. Yeah. yeah. I think the Big East gets started tomorrow. I think SEC gets started tomorrow. Big Ten, I think, gets started tomorrow as well. Um, and then, so, yeah, everybody's about to be tipped off and running. We already had a couple. Uh, we've already had some some teams lock it in. I know Furman, big win last night in the SoCon. Uh, first time in 43 years they're going dancing. So congratulations to the Paladins from South Carolina. Uh, the The – in-state team, the South Alabama Jaguars had a chance to uh, to punch their ticket last night, but just couldn't get it done against a, a Louisiana team that uh, was was pretty decent in conference play this year, and they were still at you know the two seed, I think so, and so you know they they were able to win their conference championship games to Louisiana out of the Sun Belt, but can't wait to talk about all the tournament stuff. Can't wait to talk some Auburn football as well as we roll on with spring practices and and uh, we get closer and closer to the NFL. Uh, draft and like you said talk a little bit of the combine and then uh, we got some free agency stuff going on around NFL too so I'm sure we'll touch on some of that but of course as always as I always like to say 
can't wait to talk to all of our callers. Can't wait to get get everybody uh, get everybody involved in the program. Uh, did look it up. Big Twelve tournament does start tomorrow. Also of note, right now in that ACC tournament, the first first game under the underway, former Auburn Tiger Javon Franklin is at the line right now to try and win it for Georgia Tech, and he just did that essentially. Uh, making the first free throw so georgia tech going to get the first one in the acc tournament so it's that time of year uh where uh everything uh, is dramatic i know march madness often refers to uh just the ncaa tournament but i like to add on to it all these conference tournaments because we always see these buzzer beaters that determine uh bids in all these smaller conferences we do see some runs in bigger tournaments from time to time georgia tech is actually uh, the case study of that is they won the ACC tournament a couple years ago out of nowhere to make the NCAA tournament. So that sort of thing does happen, and, and it's always very dramatic how some of these conference tournament games conclude as well. Tom Peavy on the show today. Yes, Tom, sir. how are you doing? Um, I'm good. A little on the tired side today, but, uh, but still rip-roaring, ready to go, talking sports. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it is March Madness is just what it is. And, yeah, like you said, it kind of – uh, mainly they talk about the NCAA tournament, but all these uh, individual conference tournaments, you see a lot of the buzzer beaters. You see a lot of major upsets and uh, surprise teams that just get on runs all of a sudden. And, yeah, it just it, it's the good time to watch college basketball. We, even if you're not a college basketball fan necessarily, it's a good time to watch it just because you really never know what's going to happen. And, uh uh, a lot of people's seasons are coming to an end unexpectedly. Uh, you know, teams that were kind of on that bubble of whether they might get in or not, and you know, uh, they get popped in their early on in their tournament and their bubble burst. So uh, it'll be interesting to uh, see what happens. With that, but yeah, Georgia Tech uh, looking like they're about to finish off Florida State. Uh, a lot of other good stuff going on. Uh, baseball, yeah, big game against UAB. Um, looks like the weather's going to cooperate with them, and. Uh, yeah, and then talking about the uh, combine and some of that stuff, we we mentioned briefly somebody yesterday that uh, I know we're going to get into a little bit more. Yeah, it, it's it. I love one. I, I love the NCAA tournament. It's so fun when you get when when we get to that next week, and you know this time next week we'll be we get into the first four. Uh, it'll be Tuesday night, but the conference tournaments. I think it was I think it was either the Sun Belt game or one of the WC, one of the WCC semifinals last night that I was watching. the The conference tournament week is when dreams are are either foreseen through yeah fulfilled fulfilled or they're dashed because your your dream is to get to that NCAA tournament get to the big dance and like I said you know South Alabama play almost got there last night they were uh they were you know like a five seed or a six seed in the Sun Belt and then Louisiana was even a two seed so the one seed from the Sun Belt conference this year didn't even make the championship and they're you know they're going to that tournament oh we're the one seed we're going to win you know we can we have the the clean road to win through to get to the turn to the NCAA tournament and you get tripped up, and now you've got a uh, Louisiana. It's a two seed. Didn't know if they would be able to get there or not, and and now they're in the big dance. Since a lot of these uh, small conferences, really everyone qualifies as a Cinderella, even if they're the number one seed in their conference tournament. I usually root for the higher seeds in those because I want the more realistic chance of one of those teams being able to pull the upset. Yeah. And usually, you know, some of these teams win twenty five, twenty six games, uh, and, and it's incredible to see. Uh, these big upsets get pulled and, and when you have the coastal Carolinas of the world and you have uh, in that case Louisiana winning the Sun Belt last night or just in some of these 
teams, they are definitely within the realm of possibility being able to upset someone. I know College of Charleston is someone and the Colonial that has 30 wins this year. I want to see that team play a, a three or a two seed or some, yeah. someone in that. That's the type of team that you you circle and say they might be able to, to upset someone big. Let's go ahead and go to the Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today. 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt joins us. Matt, how are you doing? Fine, what's up? Hey, bro! What's up, man? Hi, Tom. Hello. EV Haven, Tom? Not at all. <laughs> hey, hey, Brooke, Tom owes you $150. $150, uh, man. I I'm, guess I need to start behaving. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, 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 Rick, you went to the game Sunday? I Big did. Point? Yeah, I was at the baseball game Sunday. Me and my dad were there. Oh, yeah? We were, we, we sat at the uh, the uh, Tiger Transit. Oh, you, you sit over at the Tiger Terrace? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was on the other side of the ballpark. I was sitting on the third base side of things. Oh, I didn't. Or on the I first base side of things. I didn't see. I was walking toward that way. I was trying to look for something to eat. Well, I'm going to have to look for you next time. Uh, my dad said he had nothing to go because he said I got it that seven times. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you'll get back out there this year. And I'll, I'll see see if I can see you there. Yeah. Hey, so, like, so um, what, what do you guys think about... Um, all three of you guys can give me an answer. I'll start with you, uh, Ryan, first. Uh, well, no, I'll start with Brooke first. All right. Brooke, uh, do you think that we can beat Arkansas, and who is the best player on Arkansas that we can probably, like that Auburn and Bruce Pearl will put on the stop? And what do you think the score would be? Uh, well, you know, I, I think that Auburn's got a chance to beat Arkansas. If they play the way they did against Tennessee on Saturday, they've got a chance to win it. You see, they they only met once this year, and that was in early January, and Auburn was able to pull out that win over, over the Hogs. But I, I think that they should be able to win that basketball game, or they could be, they, they have the potential to win that basketball game. It just, it really depends on which Auburn team shows up. Like I said, if, if the Auburn team that shows up, that showed up against Alabama last week and showed up against Tennessee on Saturday shows up, yeah, I think they can win it. But if the Auburn team uh, uh, that we've seen, you know, a couple times this year show up that hasn't played really well and, you know, you're kind of left wondering what's going on, if they show up, I mean, you know, Arkansas is always a, a team that can go a long ways in the tournament. And Eric Musselman's a really good coach and he can, he's going to have his team uh, set and ready to go but you know it, if I had to put a score on it I don't know who I who I win but uh, it you know whoever wins it's probably going to be you know probably like a 75 to 72 75 to 70 game somewhere in there very close well hey uh, Ryan and Tom before you guys answer the question Brooke I got another question for you you think that Lincoln and Williams will probably come back next year or you, you think one of them might come back and one of them might go to NBA uh, Flanagan and Williams, you said. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I would not be. I, I, I don't know what I would say. You know, I, I don't know if Flanagan would be able to get to the NBA. He may be able to get a G League contract uh, right now, but you, it, everything's got to determine on those COVID years because some guys still have a COVID year to work out uh, in the off season, and I think they're waiting to figure that out after the after the season gets gets over with to to figure all that out. So I, I really don't know what what either of them would be able to do. Hey, so Ryan and Tom, what do you guys think about the the Auburn Arkansas game, and who is Arkansas's best player? And if you tell me who the best player is, who do you think Auburn should guard that player? 
So uh, the 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 biggest thing uh, Auburn's going to have to do is play really good defense against Arkansas, and and they're shooting the ball really well right now. Uh, Nick Smith is uh, the main guy from Arkansas to look at. Uh, he's been injured a lot this season, but now that he's back, they're playing a little bit better, and so he's going to be one of your top guys that you're going to have to stop. Um, I'm not sure who they would necessarily put on him. Um, but the biggest thing is Auburn is going to have to find uh, a particular person and they're going to have to go uh, man with him. Uh, Arkansas is not a team that you can do zone defense uh, against because they do shoot the ball well. So they're going to have to go man to man. They're going to have to find somebody to get in his face. And uh, I'm not sure who that's going to be, but uh, they'll have to find somebody to get on Nick Smith. Would you guys put either Flanagan or Wambum? It's probably going to be a mix of both of those guys. I would assume it's not just going to be one particular guy because of the way they uh, they rotate. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could see Flanagan getting on him. Um, I could see Jalen getting on him. Uh, but whoever it is is going to have to be ready to guard. So, uh, so, uh, so, uh, Tom, before you answer, do you guys sound not? Is Caldwell going to be able to play? So he, he, was, he was back at practice, and so – it's looking like he might be able to play. Um, so it's a, right now it's a good sign that he was back at practice. Okay, and um, now I want to talk about football and all three. And like, uh, and all three guys can answer. Uh, a friend of mine told me he's a former. I think I, admit, I, I think I, you've heard him he said this before, but he's a former principal and a former high school football coach. His name is Carl Stewart. And he was telling me that it's the, uh, I think it was Gardner that's turning head, might be the Auburn starter for football. Do you guys probably seeing probably Aspert or the one that we got from Liberty or the Cincinnati quarterback probably um, maybe starting? I think right now, if you, it's really tough to tell who's who would be the starting quarterback for the Tigers this early into spring. And I don't. Hugh Freeze says he doesn't even want to. He's he's not even looking at the competition right now for the starter yet. He's going to wait until the fall to really put it in. But if if you you said to name a starter right now, I I think it's uh, Robbie Ashford's to lose at this point because uh, he's going to he's the one with the more most experience in this offense. You really don't think that T.J. Finley's probably going to be back next year. Uh, he, He could, but. But, you know, with Gurner's got a good a good ball, and uh, you know he, he he can throw it well. But he's still so young, and and so it's probably Ashford's job to lose right if, if right at this point. Do you, do you think Finley will probably transfer? I, that's a lot of the rumors that go around that that TJ Finley may may hit the transfer portal after spring get the spring ball. But you never know. He may really like this uh, Hugh Freeze offense after he gets into it a little bit, and he may you know see himself as being able to be the the number two guy right there behind Ashford, or maybe you know upset some people. Maybe he get the get the number one spot. But it, it's uh, it's possible that he's back next year. But it's also possible he transfers after the spring. Well, I got my score for. Uh or the game this weekend, and then when I get my score, I want to know if you guys can play my favorite song. What's your favorite song? The one I want to do is Win, Win, Win. Okay. Well, I'll, we'll have to check the board and see if we've got that on our board right now. But here, here's my score. I'm saying I'm going with a score that uh, either the score that we that we beat Tennessee with on Saturday. Okay. That's a good or, score. Or I can go... Auburn 94, Arkansas 
23. Wow, big blowout for the Tigers. That, that would be that would be big if Auburn could do that to Arkansas. Hey, how's your fiance doing, Brooke? She's good. She's good. She, she behaving? Uh, yeah, she's trying to keep me keep me straight though. Does she behave more than Tom does? Uh, no, Tom. Tom's kind of a rascal. He 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 starts to misbehave a little bit. Uh, does he behave more than Brent? More than Brent? Well, yeah. they're about even. Tom and Tom and Brent are probably about probably about even behaving wise. He'd be better than JJ does. Yeah, yeah. JJ JJ was uh, was a troublemaker. Yeah. Hey, have you seen? Have you talked to JJ? Yeah, we talked to him uh, about a week ago. Well, tell him, tell him I miss him, and tell him to come back sometimes. Yeah, well, next time we talk to him, I'll, I'll let him know that you said that, and I'll tell and, him, get him to come back try, here. Hey, try to get Je- uh, Jack Etheridge, or uh, one of the uh, qu- quarterback coaches on. i like to talk to them. We'll have to reach out and see. Well, hey, uh, listen, my time's up, but hey, I want to give a big warrior to... Uh, War Down Steve, if you're listening, War, War Eagle, and James, War Eagle, and all we do is cheer next, uh, maybe next Monday. Sounds, Sounds good. good, man. All right. You guys, have, you guys have a good day, and Tom? Yes. Behave. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll try to. I'll try to. Hey, if I see Brooke. At a baseball game, I'm gonna ask him if he's behaving. If he and he, he tells you not, like I said, I'm gonna raise it up. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it in mind. I'll be. Hey, 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 you gotta tell Cam. I said, hey, too. We we certainly will. Warrior guys. All right, Warrior. Thanks buddy. for the phone call. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn. Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line right there. We need to take our first time out of the show today. More sports call after the break. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here. Appreciate Matt from Tallahassee for calling into the show just a moment ago. If you want to do the same, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. But before we do anything else, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn, the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all 
of your banking needs. Bunch of birthdays today. We'll start off with Lynn Swan, who turned 71, wide receiver uh, in the NFL. 21st overall pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers out of USC. Good fight on. 1972 national champion, 1973 unanimous All-American while at USC. Spent entire nine-year career with Steelers, four-time Super Bowl champion, and was a Super Bowl MVP. Was the NFL receiving's touchdown co-leader in 1975, three-time Pro Bowler, all pro in 1978, second team all pro as well. And then 1970s NFL all decade team, 1981 NFL man of the year, Pittsburgh Steelers all time team and hall of honor, Pittsburgh pro football hall of fame. Post retirement, he was a broadcaster with ABC Sports and was the AD of USC from 2016 to 2019. Lynn Swan turns 71 today. I think he was also a. Wasn't he like a U.S. representative or something? No, he served on the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition from 2002 to 2005. How about that? Did a little bit of everything. Yeah. Lynn Swan turned 71 today. Joe Carter turned 63, outfielder and first baseman. Was the second overall pick to the Cubs in 1981 out of Wichita State. Also played for the Cleveland Indians, San Diego Padres, Toronto Blue Jays, Baltimore Orioles, San Francisco Giants over 16 seasons. Two-time World Series champion, two-time Silver Slugger Award winner as a member of the Blue Jays. Five-time All-Star, 1986 American League RBI leader, 2003 Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame inductee, member of Toronto Blue Jays' level of excellence. Joe Carter turns 63 today. The level of excellence? Joe, yes. Joe Carter uh, hit a three-run walk-off home run to win the 1993 World Series against the Phillies. That's a very famous baseball career, but if there's ever a Joe Carter highlight, it was the three-run walk-off homer to win the 1993 World Series in in Toronto, so So even more special. So he turned 63 today. Tommy Kramer turned 68, also called Two-Minute Tommy. Quarterback in the 27th overall pick in the 1977 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings out of Rice. Let's go Owls. Was the 1976 Sammy Bond Trophy winner, consensus All-American while at Rice. Played for the Vikings for 13 seasons. His final season was with the New Orleans Saints. 1977 All-Rookie Team. 1986 NFL Passing Raider Raider Rating Leader. Easy for me to say. Comeback Player of the Year. Pro Bowl Second Team. All-Pro. 2012 College Football Hall of Fame inductee. Tommy Kramer turns 68 today. Jeff Kent turns 55, second baseman selected in the 20th round of the 1989 MLB draft to the Toronto Blue Jays out of UC Berkeley. Let's go Bears. Also played for, I was trying to throw you a little curveball there, but we all know that. Also played for the New York Mets, Cleveland Indians, San Francisco Giants, Houston Astros, and Los Angeles Dodgers over 17 seasons. Five-time All-Star 2000 NL MVP, four-time Silver Slugger Award winner, and was on the San Francisco Giants Wall of Fame. Jeff Kent turns 55 today. And Michael Harris II turns 22. Center fielder for the Atlanta Braves. Harris was born in Atlanta, was a fan of the Braves growing up in 2019, committed to play baseball at Texas Tech, was but was drafted by the Braves in the third round of the draft and elected to join Atlanta he was called up in 2022 and named Rookie of the Year. Money Mike Harris turns 22 today again. Lynn Swan, 71. Joe Carter, 63. Tommy Kramer, 68. Jeff Kent, 55. And Michael Harris, the second, 22. And those are the birthdays in sports 
presented by Max Credit Union. Good long list right there. Oh, good birthdays in that list, too. A couple Blue Jay birthdays. Yep. How about that? Something oh, about, Canada? Something about March 7th. Some Blue Jays are born. Spring, Some I berries. guess. You know, <laughs> birds hatching. Oh, no. Don't yeah, but that. then we would have had some Cardinals on there, too. Ah, well. Did Jeff Kent play for the Cardinals? I don't I don't think so. Okay. Did he play for the Orioles? We're reading through the... Uh, in the he did not, box. no. Well, because I know where he's known for, and I knew it was not known for any of those teams. But you guys at the end of their careers... Joe could, Carter did play for the Orioles. Well, no. he already had a bird covered, so he was, he was already... Sure. He can't he can't give his bird kingdom to someone else. That's true. And he's more famous as a Blue Jay for this World Series that I talked about. But some of those guys will just end up on random teams towards the the end, end of their career. So you never know if they're if they're on uh, a team briefly. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll start to break down the SEC tournament bracket uh, as we did not really get to get a good look at that yesterday. Preview the week ahead in college basketball. It's going to be a very busy week. It's a busier week even than what the NCAA NCAA tournament will be because, well, just about everyone's still trying to play in some sort of tournament right now. A few bids have been punched, but a lot of conference tournaments, a lot of bids to the NCAA tournament going on right now. So we'll fill you in on everything college basketball as we head towards Selection Sunday this coming weekend. Stay tuned. More sports call for the break. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here today. I want to remind you that the Sports Call podcast is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live, you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go on with the hottest sports talk. Coca-Cola taste the feeling. Uh, Brooks, Tastes you ra- so good. You raised you raised your cup during that. What uh, what kind of Coca Cola do you have right now? Just normal Coke. Okay. You you not as big on the Coke Zero or the Diet Coke than regular Coke. Are there any diet drinks that you like more than the regular Ooh, versions? That's a great question. Um, more, diet drinks I like more than the regular version. Probably yeah. not. That's not a single one I've ever had that. The, I would take. I, I've had. I've always had the opinion that uh, I do enjoy. If I'm looking for a drink, a diet drink that's going to taste more like the the original diet Pepsi tastes more like mm-hmm. original Pepsi than diet Coke tastes like original Coke. Um, and then I would say probably the next closest is Coke Zero Sugar to actual Coke. Yeah. There's still like you can definitely tell the difference sure. in them, but that's still I, I think that's the second best one that would taste like it's it's original. 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I like Diet Pepsi more more than regular Pepsi. Uh, drank it a lot growing up. We had a lot of zero calorie drinks in the refrigerator. Uh, I'm kind of the same way with Diet Mountain Dew too, but I, I am more hit or miss. Uh, but yeah, for whatever reason, the the not Coke products I like the diet versions of, but the the Coke products, like if, if I'm gonna have vanilla Coke or something, I'm gonna mm-hmm. keep that. Um, I'm gonna keep that uh, non diet. But uh, let's transition back into Auburn basketball, as still a couple of days away from Auburn's turn in the SEC tournament. We were uh, very excited to talk to Sean Henry yesterday. Uh, the Nashville Predators and Bridgestone Arena CEO and president about everything going on in Nashville and uh, the site, which is going to be home for the SEC tournament for over a decade. I I don't know if a lot of people realize that. I certainly didn't. Uh, Until 2035, the SEC tournament is going to be in Nashville. The last two SEC tournaments in Nashville that were completed have been won by State of Alabama teams. In 2021, Alabama won it. And in 2019, that was when Auburn defeated Tennessee uh, by double digits and won it. So uh, last year's tournament was in Tampa, and then the 2020 tournament was not uh, was not played. So last couple times, state of Alabama teams have won it. Obviously, Alabama is one of the clear favorites, if not the clear favorite, uh, to win it this time. Let's look at this bracket, though, uh, as the tournament does start tomorrow. And let's look from the Auburn point of view, because we discussed last week about – the scenarios of who Auburn could play. There was really not a good scenario for them to change their seating. They could not in any way fall to eight with a loss to Tennessee. They could only move to six if Missouri lost to Ole Miss, which although Missouri did not have a convincing victory over Ole Miss, still did not really believe that Ole Miss was going to pull one out on Missouri as Ole Miss is the 13th seeded team in the SEC tournament. So with that in mind, it was more about who Auburn was going to ultimately play, and they could have played Arkansas, Mississippi State, or Florida. The clear preference, in my opinion, was Florida because Florida continues to not have Colin Castleton. Uh, of course, they played LSU this weekend, which I can I said Ole Miss was the 13th seed in the SEC tournament, and that's because – LSU is the 14 seed, so found you one worse team than Ole Miss, and that's LSU. And so Florida was able still at home to beat LSU. That moved them up to eight. Arkansas uh, was not particularly good against Kentucky. Kentucky rebounded from another troubling midweek loss. And so Auburn's playing Arkansas. Interesting comments today, and Justin Ferguson will probably tell us more about them too. Wendell Green Jr. straight up said, we don't like Arkansas. I think a lot of people kind of feel that way due to the chippy nature of which yeah. Arkansas plays with. But, guys, what do you make of this first-round matchup? And then just overall uh, with the knowledge that if Auburn is able to advance, it is Texas A&M as the two-seed, yeah. uh, a team that Auburn has already lost to twice this year would, would await Auburn in the quarters. Right. Uh, I, mean, I mean, it's going to be a tough game for Auburn. And, that, and the main reason uh, – Auburn has a chance to beat Arkansas. Uh, they've already beaten them once this year. Arkansas is playing a little bit better now than they were back uh, when they first started playing, and they've gotten healthier. So there's the issue there. Uh, Auburn has not won a game away from Neville Arena since – when was the last one that they won? Would have been the South Carolina game. Was that – yeah. Uh, that was a road game. Uh, I'm trying to think of where, where else – because they lost at Stegman. It was not in February. They lost so, at Stegman. Um, yes, it was in January against yep. South Carolina. Okay, 
So Auburn has not won away from Neville Arena since January 21st. Was that what it was? Yeah. January 21st. So Auburn's going to have to figure out a way to win a game that's not in front of their home crowd. Um, They've had a couple close calls, but they have not done that. So um, it's good that Dylan Cardwell uh, looks like he's getting back on the floor and and getting some uh, practice reps. And so he's listed as quote-unquote possible. Uh, they need him for the just the depth of it, but uh, you know if if Auburn can play to that level that they have the last couple of times out, even in a loss to Alabama where they were leading by 17 points, playing some of their best basketball of the season, if they can do that and then replicate you know again against what they did with Tennessee, they can win that game against Arkansas. But uh, again, I, I kind of look at this with Auburn as prove it to me, you know, prove to me that you can go away from Neville Arena and, and win one against good competition because you, you've come so close but a few times, but you can't really seem to finish these games out. So uh, this is a prove-it-to-me type deal. So those losses were all, uh, for the most part, I mean, by, except for the Kentucky game, by they one, were all or by single digits. Yeah, Sure. That's uh, why so I say it been close, the, but they cannot finish games out for whatever reason. The interesting part of it is that, other than West Virginia, who's obviously not in conference, you look at the seeding in the SEC. Five of those, or five of the top six seeds in the SEC, are who Auburn played on the road during that stretch. They obviously people uh, and you know Auburn easily uh, expects to beat someone like Vanderbilt, but Vanderbilt the six seed, the five seed Tennessee. They did not play four seed in Missouri. Then they lost to three seed Kentucky, two seed Texas A&M, and one seed Alabama. My point is is that literally everyone that they played during that stretch on the road was against teams seated above them in the SEC. They did not lose any absolutely stunning games. But Arkansas's kind of an enigma this year because they also had high expectations given to where, where they've actually finished. Oh, yeah. And a lot of it due to injuries. But even since Nick Smith coming back, and now granted, Arkansas has also had to play some tough stuff. But Arkansas has not beaten anyone any good in a, in a long time because they yeah. have lost three in a row coming into this. They lost to Kentucky on their home floor. They got beat pretty bad at Tennessee, 75-57. Yeah. And then they did play a very close game in Tuscaloosa. They beat Georgia easily. They beat Florida easily. But before that, they lost to A&M and they lost to Mississippi State. I know they yeah. didn't have Nick Smith going all the way back there. But – you know they have not won a quality game since early February themselves, and so they have for all all the possibilities with that team this year. They themselves have really never found many key victories, and and it's a little different now that Nick Smith is healthier. I, I agree, but overall, this team is going to be um, interesting in that I think that there is a scenario where, and what's really played Arkansas this year. If Auburn can just frustrate frustrate Arkansas enough from two point range, Arkansas's not a good shooting team. They do not right. shoot the three well at all. They're a really good two point two. Uh, excuse me, a two point team. Uh, when you look at their national numbers, uh, and I and I looked them up in a little earlier conversation in the country, their 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 ranks here, they are fourteenth in the country in two point makes a game. And they shoot fifty three percent from two, which is sixty eighth in the country. Not as impressive, but still, nevertheless, 
pretty good. Three-point-wise, their percentage is 299th in the country. They are not a very good three-point team. To their credit, they don't shoot them very much. They shoot the 349th most threes. Uh, Their free-throw stuff is also fascinating. They're not a good percentage team. They just take a lot. They take a lot of them. They are 287th in the country in free-throw percentage, 69 on the dot. But they shoot the 29th most free throws a game. They shoot a ton of them. So basically, what you're looking for if you're Auburn, you're looking for a game where you defend without fouling, which I know we're going to start to involve some referee here. But you defend without fouling, and you force Arkansas to be more of a jump-shooting team. If you can do those things, you can keep Arkansas really low, which is exactly what they did in Neville Arena. Now, it's harder to do that in a neutral environment than it is a home environment, but there is a pretty clear pathway uh, to trying to defend Arkansas because they just do not do a good job really in any of those ways shooting. I mean, they're not a good foul shooting team from a percentage perspective. They're not a great three-point team. Nick Smith is one of their better ones now that he's healthy. He's at 34%. But Ricky Council is a guy. He's their leading scorer. He shoots 28% from three. And, again, I, I'm not promising you because it is basketball and things can happen. We've seen this Auburn team get hot the last seven or eight games. I'm not promising you that Arkansas will decide to shoot 25 30% from three again in this, this game, but you're better off making them try and hit an abnormal amount of threes than you are letting them get into the body, get down low, right. go to the line 30 times, foul all of your guys out, especially when you talk about, Tom, the, the potential status of Dylan Cardwell. I I know that there's a clear gap between Cardwell and Broom, but I also think there's a clear gap in what you're asking between Cardwell and Yoan Treor. Because, oh, absolutely. Because even though Cardwell is not a very good offensive player, he does achieve his purpose as a defender around the rim, a decent rebounder, but certainly a pretty good athletic shot blocker. And I'm not saying Treor can't be that one day, but he's not that now, uh, and he's a little less physical. Now, Cardwell does have a fouling problem, and everyone knows that, but you're, as a backup, you only got to give 10 to 12 minutes. You're, it's not like you're trying to, to to do 25 minutes. You're not having a big, big lineup with Broom and, and Cardwell out there. That's not your intention. So you're, you're not asking for a bunch of minutes out of Treor off the bench, but when you do think of a team like Arkansas that draws more fouls, you are you are kind of more inclined to worry about your depth and worry about um, if your guy's getting foul trouble, what happens. Now, Auburn plays more players than the average team, but that really – it doesn't get borne out into being that useful for them. And my argument for this is that there's really only five players that Auburn relies on uh, just overall, especially offensively. I, to some degree, they rely on someone like Zep, Zep Jasper defensively, but he does not add much offensively. But outside of the starters of Williams – Flanagan, Green, and Broom. You factor in a six-man in KD who has played much better the last two to three weeks. Right. Other than that, there's really no one that that is going to have a big opportunity to score double figures for you. There's no one that is going to be very trustworthy in, in carrying some of that load. So it they Auburn does rotate a lot of bodies. And they they do trust ultimately about ten different players in, in various roles. But if you're talking about the scoring element of it, Auburn's only really got about five options. And look, this is still college basketball. It's not like a bunch of teams out there have ten scoring options. That's also not how it works. But some teams at least have a sixth or a seventh. 
that can go get double figures from time to time. Um, and, you know, you even look at Arkansas, for example, five guys do average double figures for Arkansas, and then there's a guy at seven, guy or two guys at seven. So I, I would say that Arkansas might have seven guys they feel would be capable of a double-digit uh, double digit game, whereas Auburn might be closer to five. But that, that withstanding, these teams are just so different than what they were back in January – and that game in January was so early in SEC play, right. uh, and it was—I mean, it was a very successful time for Auburn because they, they were able to have a double-digit lead almost essentially the whole game. But that also makes me wonder if that—if uh, the game would play could could basically just be a whole lot different just by Arkansas starting better than they started in that game because they did not they did not have a very good first half they got down double digits pretty yeah. quickly 36-25 at half right yeah. and, and so it just by Arkansas having a better first 20 minutes could really change the yeah. dynamics of it well and going back and looking at uh that game which I mean it's dangerous because it's dangerous to go back and look at a box score from January but it it kind of gives you a a feeling on things you know Anthony Black from Arkansas he went for 23 that game but the majority of that was from the free throw line where he was 13 of 16 um, so he got the 23 points there but the biggest thing in that game is Auburn outscored them uh, on turnovers uh, points off of turnovers 25 to 6 and that's what they're going to have to do again against Arkansas is, is well, like we talked about the defense without fouling don't allow them uh, it, this is a team that are in Arkansas that, like you said, Ryan, does not like to shoot a lot of threes. Uh, the last time against Auburn, they went two of 16. Yep, not so, good. So, no, not good at all. But, they again, they only tried 16. Right. Uh, it, it, you know that they're going to try to drive the ball on you, and that's what they do. They dribble drive. They're going to try to move around, find an open guy, and get those – easy looks on the inside so you have to be find yourself in position square up on the guy don't find yourself reaching you know get beat uh, you know around and then catch yourself reaching because then that's where you're going to get the fouls stay in front of the guy know that that's what they're going to want to do and like you also mentioned earlier is force them into those kind of mid-range jump shots don't let them get inside of you and, and into the paint uh, to where you're having to deal with that because then you're going to start seeing even more fouls pile up so defend outside don't let them in uh and try to force the turnovers again uh that last game arkansas turned the ball over 14 times in that game to auburn's eight but auburn got 25 points off of those 14 turnovers so that that's the uh that's the key to this game is going to be that defense enforcing turnovers because uh, while Auburn feels like they have shot the ball a little bit better in these last few games, I'm still not confident, especially in a building that is not Neville Arena. I'm not 100% confident that Auburn can just start tearing the nets off the basket with shots. So you're going to have to win by defense. Get your points where you can offensively, but you really have to be uh, sure of yourself on the defensive side of things. And like Bruce said, defend without fouling and they're gonna have to play a lot of man-to-man because against arkansas it's not a team that you want to try to zone coverage they'll they'll beat you on that so man up on man up on your guy and don't get beat is what it's going to boil down to brooks do you make anything of the comments from wendell green jr that uh, basically just flat out said it yeah we don't really like arkansas I mean, I, who does <laughs> folks in, uh, in, in Walmart? Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. whoa. Well, Walmart's in Arkansas. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In Vietnam. 
Anyway. What? Y'all have never heard Fayetteville no. called Fayetteville? I've never Fayetnam. heard of before. Oh, my gosh, yes. Uh-huh. Every, well, I shouldn't say everybody. Yeah, that's like the, Obviously not everybody. Yeah. No, yeah, Fayetteville, Arkansas, it's, it's the, yeah, Fayetnam. Wow. All right. Yeah. Did not know that. Of course, they're not playing in Fayetteville. They're playing in Nashville. That's in, right. A much better city. They're not in Bud Walton. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, they do have Walmarts in Tennessee, though. Uh, I think everyone has Walmart by now. <laughs> I think you know. I think it just illustrates it, it, the the Auburn Arkansas has really kind of taken the you know it, it like you, you don't think of Auburn and Arkansas as like rivals in everything <laughs> like like normally you know you know auburn alabama auburn georgia is, is big rivals well in basketball the auburn arkansas rival is, is kind of developed a little bit of a rivalry chippiness to it kind of kind of like auburn tennessee there too auburn tennessee basketball auburn arkansas basketball it's not you know th- those aren't big rivals for the school but in that particular sport because they're always challenging each other for yeah, an sec title sure. it, it's it's become kind of a little rivalry on the court and and like you you said uh, earlier, it, a little you know, Arkansas plays a little chippiness. Eric Musselman, uh, you know, goes out into the media and says you know some things to get people riled up and get you know get his get get rally the troops behind the Hogs. And so it's it, it it's a it's a fun rivalry. Um, you, you go into it, it it it's got the possibility on tomorrow on Thursday night to be a really good basketball game. I think Auburn's got a chance to win this one. Um, I think the biggest thing is, and like you said, it's bringing the refs into it, but defense without fouling. Because we've seen a couple of the last last few games that Auburn's played in that they've been in real trouble, i.e. the, the Kentucky game. I think it was the Alabama game. You got you had Janai Broom in foul trouble pretty early into the second half. Yeah. In, in the first half, he was in foul trouble. But then once you hit that second half, real quickly, he was in a lot of foul trouble. It's, per, and, it's permanent and terminal if you get in foul trouble in the second yeah. half. And you can't have that, and then the you cannot have your your best big man in foul trouble, especially with the team like Arkansas that wants to score the basketball uh, does not want to shoot the ball from beyond the arc. They want to drive in, they want to get some twos off. You've got to have your big men in there, and you can't have them in foul trouble. So I think Auburn's got a chance to win it on on Thursday. the The key is is you haven't seen Arkansas twice. You got them once, and it was like you said, Tom, beginning of conference play, and they were pretty banged up when they you saw them the first time in Neville Arena. If you're Auburn. Like this past Saturday, you pretty much locked up your tournament spot. But I think to feel really good about going into the NCAA tournament, you have to win at least one game here in Nashville. And obviously that would be the Arkansas game. Yeah, and I I think with, uh, as you said, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, the foul situation. Again, it's just it's something that I think is going to be on everyone's radar for the rest of the year. But well, hopefully they get an team. officiating crew that's a little more Auburn friendly and not some of those that have had the and let some just things ridiculous go. disparity between free throws. Let them play a little bit because yeah. the thing about Arkansas is they they seek the contact. They're right. they're trying to create the contact, and that's the stuff that where you really get in a big debate on if some of those are fouls because you start seeking out the contact. Well, who's actually initiating the contact? You get into all that great discussion. Out of time for hour number one. When we come back to start hour number two, we're going to talk a little NFL combine, in particular the quarterback from the University of Florida and some Auburn Tiger players. And again, at 4.30, Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. Stay tuned. More sports call after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. 
We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here live from our studios on South College Street. Another beautiful warm day on the plains. That is going to start to change in a couple of days, so I'm enjoying the 80-degree weather for now. Get those winter clothes back out. 48 hours from now, it will be in the 50s. So, uh, but be- beautiful day. Uh, it'll be a great night to go to Plainsman Park tonight. Auburn taking on UAB. Uh, the baseball team has been very good so far this year. We'll update you on some rankings for both Auburn baseball and Auburn softball a little bit later. But as promised, uh, let's talk a little NFL combine. We got to talk two separate things here too. We got to talk some Auburn guys and Anthony Richardson. I think based off of the last some of the last words of the show yesterday uh way, a way to go out there or at least with one of the segments uh tom i believe you have some some thoughts on on anthony richardson so you mean campthony richardson uh, sure i mean <laughs> something like that so uh please start us off here no well i mean no just everybody's freaking out about him at the combine i mean yeah he's a big guy he's got a good arm and he had a great showing at the combine but I mean, to start comparing the dude to Cam Newton all of a sudden, it's like, hmm. Cam Newton has a Heisman Trophy, a national title, uh, was was the number one overall pick. I don't know that Anthony Richardson is going to be the number one overall pick. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't know. I, it's like out of the blue, Anthony Richardson suddenly became the next coming of Cam Newton, and I think that just kind of took everybody by surprise. It's like, what in the world? Like, no realm had anybody compared Anthony Richardson to Cam Newton. And he gives it to the Combine and, and does pretty well. And they're like, oh, my gosh, this is guys the next Cam. Like, uh, really? Come on now. That's, yeah. that's a stretch. I mean, there's I've seen some stretches. But to start comparing him to Cam Newton already just over a Combine, it's like, no, I, I don't know about all that. Well, it kind of highlights what gets a little bit overblown about the Combine and some people seem to value it it's as the much. Olympics, huh? I said it's the underwear Olympics. <laughs> Some seem to value it as much or more than the actual game tape. And look, there is value in obviously the practice element because you develop important habits in practice, and there's some value in the skills that are not teachable. But I think that. NFL scouts and people at the Combine, they get a little too enamored with things that they they can't teach, and they believe in their abilities to teach maybe a little bit more than they, they sometimes should. Because when you look at Anthony Richardson's Combine stuff, 
the four four speed at his size is incredible, and he does have a big arm. He's incredibly athletic in every way. He's strong. He can jump. You sure, know, fast. That's all it. That. Yeah, I'm definitely not but, saying he's bad. But my deal here is he's a low fifties percent passer at Florida on a team that was not particularly good where he seemed to have a clear problem with decision making and what scouts are seeing and what they're betting on is that they're going to be able to change the decision making process with Anthony Richardson that they might be able to work on some accuracy flaws has has great throw strength a great ability to get push the ball down the field when he uses it but there are clear things about playing the quarterback position that he does not do well at all and look i'm not saying that they won't get that out of him one day i i think of my criticism of josh allen a few years ago coming out of wyoming i was like the dude completed 50 something percent of his passes at wyoming how is he going to be able to process NFL defenses? Well, they worked on it. His first year at Buffalo it was not very accurate, was was not a very good passer, and now he's turned into a, a very good passer. He's one of the best right. quarterbacks in the NFL. It can be done. I'm not saying that it can't be. But my issue here is you're potentially thinking about the number one overall pick or at minimum a top ten pick on a guy that has a incredibly low floor for what you want out of your franchise quarterback or what you want out of a top 10 pick. Right. And I would have no issues with that. And and look, every team has a different value assessment because some teams need quarterbacks, period. And the quarterback's the most important position on the field. And some teams couldn't care less about drafting a quarterback, certainly not in the first half of the draft. But to me, when you give me someone that has raw talent, raw athleticism, but is just that incredibly raw and has some serious flaws in in the passing part of his game, that does not scream top ten pick. That screams like second round, really love him, trade up early second round to go get something like right. that. Because NFL draft picks are like gold. Okay? They are as big of a deal these teams as Velveeta cheese is to, in those liquid gold commercials oh, to, yeah. to those people possessing that cheese. I mean, it, is, it, is, language. <laughs> it is gold to these teams. You, 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 can, you can get – use the Bucs as an example here because it's one of the more recent dealings I've paid close attention to. The Bucs got Shaq Mason from the Patriots last year for like a fifth-round pick, yeah. and Shaq Mason's a top five or six guard in the NFL. But a fifth-round pick got him because that's how important these draft selections are. So if you're going to use a first-round pick, I understand there are needs, but you better be right regardless of the need. And if you use a top-ten pick on a quarterback that doesn't work out, that's even a longer recovery process than saying using a, the number seven or eight pick on a wide receiver or on a DB or something because right. – the quarterback is such an instrumental part of what you do. If you you're gonna a wait a little longer to make sure you're wrong, and then b you're gonna be really wrong and you're gonna be really bad for several years. And other things about your team can diminish too because other guys won't want to play there for three or four years. So 
I'm just saying, I, I personally do not see the value in drafting Richardson as high as they want to draft him. When I feel pretty good that C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be competent NFL quarterbacks. And now I get uh, everyone, again, is attracted to what they can't teach. And you can't teach 4-4 speed at that size. I get that. But, again, there is real work to be done on Anthony Richardson. And if it is not the right coaching staff that gets a hold of Anthony Richardson, he will bust out of the NFL. He will not be a starting quarterback. He might be a gadget guy that you can do fun things with. But, again, someone will have used a top ten pick on that. And and that's just not a very good idea, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is it does look like Anthony Richardson's combine deal has probably made him a lot of money. because Oh, he, yeah. Uh, you know, he he went from uh, kind of a, a guy that was talked about, but way down the list of quarterbacks. Combine these teams have fallen in love with him, and all you got to do is just do a quick Google search and look at some of the stories. Uh, you know, two hours ago, draft analyst says Colt should fall in love with quarterback Anthony Richardson. Uh, should Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson be on top of the Texas draft board? Commanders met with Florida quarterback. Um, Anthony Richardson, Todd, Todd McShay's uh, draft mock has a trade, uh, team trading up to take Anthony Richardson. I mean, these are the things that they're now saying about him. But, you know, the Cam Newton comparisons now, uh, some of that was his own doing because he said that uh, coming up it, that he modeled his game after uh, both Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson because he said about 11th grade he started calling himself Cam Jackson. <laughs> and so um, that's where some of the Cam Newton comparisons come to. But his his stats in uh, this past season uh, were very similar to Cam's. Um, yeah, the uh, per, the passing percentage was off, but the the yardage numbers were pretty close. Uh, you know, everything yardage wise was pretty close. He's a little bit smaller than Cam. He's only six four, where Cam's six seven. Um, but you know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sold. And uh, like you, I think, I think you're taking a big risk if you trade up. It, it, when there's some surefire guys out there, uh, at least what appear to be surefire NFL caliber guys, um, you know, yeah, I, I just, I think you're taking a huge risk if you're letting a combine you know dictate because he threw the ball on the combine well he didn't even have his pads on or anything that's one of that's one thing that people uh really pick at with the combine is with the quarterbacks how ridiculous it is that everybody just fawns all over these guys well they're in a daggum tank top and shorts and there's no db on the field yeah there's no db on the field they're not reading coverages i mean they're they're throwing the ball and great you're showing off your arm strength you're showing that you can put the ball where it needs to be but anybody that has ever played quarterback knows that it's a whole different ball game throwing with a helmet on and yeah. shoulder pads and, and all the gear. It's a lot harder to throw those same passes when you're geared up. It's a lot harder to throw those passes when there's a DB running right there with the guy that you're tr- trying to throw to. And it's a lot harder when not only the guy that you're trying to throw to has a DB with him, but then you're having to read and make sure the safety's not coming over there. You know, Can Anthony Richards do all those you know, I I don't know. I, I'm sure he's a smart kid. I mean, he his stats at Florida were good, but I, you know, I, I I worry that teams might be making that mistake by using a combine and just you know all of a sudden it's like oh my gosh we've got to take this guy. Eh, you, you might be might be making a huge mistake that way. One other thing about NFL scouts and NFL GMs is that they they try they will try to talk themselves out of somebody. You've seen it, you know. The, you'll you'll get these rumors every year. If if Bryce Young was six foot even, 
he's the number one overall pick. Yeah. There's nobody, no, no question who's going to be the number one overall pick. If there was any, if there was no questions about uh, CJ Stroud's like leadership abilities, there'd be no question that he would be taken above Anthony Richardson. But because right. there's question marks with CJ Stroud, with uh, Will Levis, with Bryce Young, that has allowed the Anthony Richardson stuff to creep up that was already getting talked about before the combine. And then his combine performance just elevated that to the next level. Yeah. And then, you know, you some around the NFL draft, too, there's a lot of people that are trying to throw, uh, you know, th- trying to throw smoke out there to see what's going, you know, if they can throw some other teams off. These, oh, yeah, we're, you know, we leak it to somebody. Yeah, the, the, the Jets are really interested in Anthony Richardson and trying to gain some momentum there. Like the, the Bears. Yeah. You know, there there's all these rumors out there that they may be ready to move off of Justin Fields already, or they may be, you know, they they may be trying to, you know, they they're like, oh, you know, we may be ready to move off Justin Fields, and uh, you know, we we would use this number one overall pick to go and get a quarterback, and then someone else down the list is like, no, 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 we'll we'll give you all this, and we'll move up to the number one pick, and yeah. so it, there's there's smoke screens that are thrown out there to try to get moving get movement there with picks. Um, I don't know what it what it's going. I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be is, is the guy that they think he's going to be. You, you look. I mean, Florida. I know they weren't a bad team. They weren't a great team this year, but it's still Florida. They still have talent on that football team. Sure. Dan Mullen did not leave that team barren, and they went six and seven this year, and they got absolutely curb stomped in the bowl game by Oregon State. Right. And or you know Oregon State, they're a good football team this year. But they shouldn't be a team that walks in and beats a an SEC team by twenty seven points. Yeah, that that's not a that's not a team that should beat an SEC team by twenty seven points unless you're Vanderbilt. Yeah, I I you know I think that uh, I, as much as we're Auburn guys here and as much as we don't like Alabama, I, I I enjoy watching Bryce Young play football and and I know they're talking about his height, but and yeah, it didn't affect him at Alabama. And and he's got the same size guys in front of him on the offensive line. You can't say, well, he can't see over the offensive line. Well, he was playing behind guys that were six seven, six eight, just like he will be in the NFL. It didn't affect him at Alabama being able to see over the line. So you can't really use the height. Now, is he going to be more injury prone and take hits? Well, I don't know. But the one thing that I like about that kid that I have talked about so much is he has this little he has this it factor about him, and it's one of those things that you can't coach. And it's just that feel for the game. And if you if you watch him and really pay attention, he just has that that uncanny ability to know and feel where pressure is coming from, and especially if it's coming from from his blind side. If if you know if his blind side gets beat and he's about to get hit, he scoots up in the pocket and the guy misses him, and he doesn't even look at him. His eyes are downfield. He moves in the pocket, and it's like he just he knows exactly where he needs to move around in that pocket to avoid getting those hits now can he do that in the nfl you know i don't know the guys are going to be a little bit quicker getting to him in the nfl than they are in the college game that's to be expected but if you still have just that kind of natural ability and and again that's something you just can't coach that you you have to have that god-given talent to be able to fill what's happening on the field and to be able to do what bryce young does that's why i think I think he's the guy that has could be very very successful in the NFL uh, as long as he stays healthy. I mean, I think that's obviously what their you know big question is: is can he stay healthy? But I mean, if you're if you're a team and I, man, if you decide to take Anthony Richardson over Bryce Young, 
I think you're making a huge mistake. I, I really think that's a big, big mistake that you're making because I, I just think that Bryce Young is is the better quarterback and will be the better quarterback uh, in the long run over Richardson. Yeah, I, I look, I, I, I don't think ultimately I, – I do think Richardson will go in the top ten. Sure. I do not think ultimately he will go above Young or Stroud. Um, I, he probably jumped Levis though. Yeah, I, I would which, think he. Which hey, I'm good. With, I, I'm fine with that because I don't I've, believe in Levis either. I've never understood the hype over Will Levis, but he's you, a good court. No, he love Levis, huh? He said, "I don't believe in Levis, but if, do, do you love Levis?" No, no. <laughs> he, he, he Will Levis is a good. He's a good quarterback, but he. So he's got a cannon arm, and that's the big thing. That right. the the dude can throw it a hundred miles over the mountains and all that. It's like, okay, cool. Can he process defenses? Can he hit the guys that he needs to hit? You know, I don't care if you can you can sling the ball outside of the out of the stadium all you want to, but guess what? Quarterbacks aren't asked to throw the ball outside of the stadium. <laughs> you know, Look at what he did against Tennessee. How many he had? A, I know he had a pick six against Tennessee. He had what two picks or three picks against Tennessee? I think in that game, and they were just like egregious throws. Like what? What in the hell are you looking at when you're making these throws? So I'm worried about Levis with his ability to just kind of process what is out in front of him because he's just made some just god awful throws. He can sling it a mile. That's great, but you you got to do more than that. And so that's why I, I'm, I'm, I have not been on the Levis train. I, I have not understood the hype that people are making on Will Levis. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I would definitely, as much as we've kind of bashed Anthony Richardson, I would take Anthony Richardson over Will Levis in a heartbeat. Right. Well, okay, I, I know that Levis was a, has better, I guess, mechanics or, or some better stuff to him as a passer. Sure. But, but Richardson – if the NFL is willing to start to build some offenses that enable mobile quarterbacks, then I can at least maybe find an offense that Richardson can use his legs and at least move the chains a few times, even if it's not sustainable uh, due to just just maybe poor passing numbers. But with, with Levis, you know he, that dude can't run at all, and he got uh, bludgeoned last year. He got yeah. hurt a couple different times, banged up because. He was running around, and you know, I, I again, I will. I've been wrong, and I will be wrong again. But I've just, I've never gotten it with Levis. Uh, I'm with you there. I at least can be a little bit swayed by some of the cool stuff that Richardson can do. But you know, Levis didn't do much cool in, in college either. And at least Richardson can can move around and, and make some make some just what ball plays at the end of the day even if i don't think that he should be a top 10 pick or, or necessarily even a first round pick i i do agree with you and bryce young uh i i think that the the, the most or one of the best impressive things about bryce young is the play is never really over you sure. can get back there and you can get pressure on him and you look like you've got him but he can extend the play that one extra second right. and get a throw off that he needs to get off. Uh, and he does not – And but he does that. He extends plays without making poor decisions. Like, oh, since I extended this play, I now must throw 40 yards across my body across the field. He doesn't operate like that. He extends the play to see if 
one more person can get open near the sideline, and if he doesn't, then he'll chuck it away. Right. Uh, and, and that's the, the, the proof that the decision-making is good there. And some of this stuff, too, what's always hard to know, because, look, NFL people try and be deceitful, too. Uh, you don't know how much, and I think you guys brought this up a little bit, you don't know how much of this is posturing to try and get trade leverage right. with the draft. And, you know, some team, like the Colts strike me as being kind of dumb. Like Jim Irsay seems kind of dumb to me. So you might be able to get Jim Irsay to make an irrational trade because he's in love with one of these guys. Would you like to uh – to know Todd McShay's latest mock draft that What's got that? released today. I've not seen it. He's got the Colts trading up to number one overall. That, yes, exactly. Oh, with the with the Bears. So to take Bryce Young. Oh, to take, take Young. Bryce. Well, Young. see, at least well, that's to hey. take Young. But I'm just not saying, to take Anthony Richards. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what? But I'm saying like, there's different posturing from all parties, but especially these teams because they're trying to find, they're trying to either drum up interest in a guy they think that someone else might want to trade for or they want to play down someone that they want to pick if, you, if you're up in the top five and you really want somebody well then you're probably the one putting out oh uh, you know i don't know if bryce young being 510 such a good acceptable thing or you know i, I if someone likes stroud you know i, I mean I don't know why he never beat out Bryce Young in, in Heisman voting or anything like that. You know, I just don't. So you, you just start you start to talk talk your not yourself, but you try to talk others out of the allure of some of these guys, and and that part of it is is poignant posturing that that, that takes place just to just to for again own self interest in in this case potentially with a trade because you know that Chicago. Uh, at, at one is not likely to take a quarterback. Now you can find the right person to tell you that they might trade Justin Fields and end up taking a QB one, but that does not seem like the most likely thing. So th there's always going to be a lot of talk. We'll see once we get towards the draft that there's a lot of action. We're going to take our first timeout of our number two. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer will join us. He'll talk all things Auburn basketball and update us on spring ball slash maybe a little combine as well. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on this sunny Tuesday afternoon. Ryan LeVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. And we're now, now pleased to go back to the Auburn Bank phone line and welcome in Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for our Tuesday conversation. Justin, the time, as always, is greatly appreciated. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you all? Doing very well. A lot to talk about as we get set for tournament time in the SEC and the NCAA. This time of year, Justin, 
uh, just uh, in general. I know March Madness is referred to basically for the NCAA tournament, but some of the crazy finishes that happen in conference tournament time are are all the all the same dramatic as you try to get into the big dance. How how much basketball uh, a, a month other than just the SEC tournament do you try and take in during this week or two? Do you see any of these smaller conference teams play, or do, or do you still stick to the big conference tournaments? No, no, I'll watch. I'll watch as many finals and as many you know games that matter as as I can during these next couple of weeks. I mean, there's several finals going on tonight, and it's just a fun time. Whenever you see teams just going all out because they know like that's their ticket to get into the NCAA tournament, it's just really, really fun. The big tournaments are good as well, obviously, but you know, usually uh, with the way Auburn's been recently, just by the time you get to the big tournaments, you know, I'm in like you know game mode and covering games, so you don't get to watch them as much. So. You know, this past week and this these, this early week where you get a lot of these mid-majors and smaller conferences, um, you know, having teams punch their tickets, um, it's a, it's a whole lot of fun to watch for sure. And so, uh, I will uh, I'll definitely be have it. Um, I'll definitely have it on in the in the background while I'm working. You know, here for the rest of the day and. Uh, try to watch as much as I can before Auburn gets underway on Thursday. Uh, well, talking about that game on Thursday, uh, Auburn versus Arkansas, uh, just kind of your general thoughts on that. We we went through a bunch here talking about uh, Auburn's win very early in the season, but uh, both teams playing at a different level than they were back in January. So uh, how do you see this thing shaking out once they uh, get on the floor in Nashville? Yeah, it's a tough matchup for sure because I think Arkansas – uh, you know, even though they haven't been playing incredibly recently, um, they've lost several of their you know last. I think it's like five out of the last seven or something like that. The, the thing with Arkansas is that they're still one of the most talented teams in the country. And you know, when the first time Auburn played them, they didn't have Nick Smith, and they were not shooting well as a team at all. And Auburn really you know jumped into his own and um, kept them you know from really getting anything going on offense, and they won that way. Not really going to be the case in this game. You're going to have to figure out different ways to defend because Nick Smith is such an excellent shooter arkansas has just been a better team since you know smith's return and you know this is a guy's five-star potential you know nba lottery pick and uh you know it, it changes everything so for auburn it's going to the key is going to be can you find new ways to play defense at, against arkansas and really hold them down um, this arkansas team has not been very consistent this year but they're fully capable of going off at any moment uh and so that's going to be a key for auburn but the good news is you're coming off of a week where, you know, I know you lost to Alabama, uh, but I do think Auburn's two best performances this season happened in their last two games. And so can you keep it up? Can you keep that momentum going uh, to against an Arkansas team that, you know, on paper this is about as close to a 50-50 game as possible? Wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas was, like, slightly favored on a neutral floor. Um, you know, even though the records are different, it's just this Arkansas team, when they, when they get clicking, they're capable of beating anybody. And Justin, today I noticed uh, at the press conference, uh, as you guys talked to uh, Wendell Green and uh, Janai Broom, obviously Bruce Pearl as well, I, I noticed the, the quote with Wendell kind of referring to not liking Arkansas. Do you get that that is a sense? I feel like a lot of teams in the league could say that about Arkansas. They seem to be mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on not a lot of uh, friend lists for, for these teams, but does Auburn have a little bit more than than others in animosity's sake towards Arkansas, or just what what is it about it that, that rubs Auburn the wrong way? I, I think some, some Auburn players still kind of hold that just because of how everything went last season. You lose – in Arkansas when you were number one and the court storming and all that. And it was just, it was just kind of something that stuck with them. And so when they beat them earlier this year, um, you know, it meant a lot to beat Arkansas because of, 
you know what they represent. And as a team has been to the late eight back to back years, so you you know they're really really good. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's got a little bit more juice than a than a normal you know meeting against like they had to play like a Mississippi State or they had to play like South Carolina or you know somebody like that in the first round of the tournament. Um, it's more juice, I think, just because it is Arkansas and it's they have been so successful and and they've been successful against Auburn. So that's when this one really stands out. Uh, you got two players from Arkansas on the team that obviously matters, and um, you know, so it's 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 a rivalry that I think's got some got some real juice to it. But it really kind of kicked off when you know what happened last season, just kind of the the end game there. Justin, you look at this matchup coming up with the with the Hogs on Thursday night. Something that Bruce Pearl has talked about all year long that that's been a kind of an issue for the Tigers has been rebounding. How big of an issue or how big of a factor is rebounding going to be coming up Thursday night against a, an Arkansas team that likes to go in and score uh, two baskets? Yeah, I mean this is a, this is an Arkansas team that's very tall, very athletic. Um, they can really get you on the boards. Um, they are a team that's very similar to like uh, like like Kentucky. In Tennessee, and the fact that they've got a lot of size, one through five, and really know how to use it, um, a lot of length as well. Auburn is not built that way. This is a team that's kind of more, you know, undersized backcourt, kind of more of a traditional front court in the in terms of their size. Um, so, you know, it's going to be huge. And I think if you go back, you know, a lot of people have thought about Auburn's close losses this year, and and so many people pointed out offense, 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 not scoring, not shooting, all that. I get it, but. The reason why Auburn, the main reason why Auburn lost a lot of those games close this season was because of their defense and because of their rebounding. And they weren't able to string together stops at the end of games. Go back to the Tennessee game on Saturday. What is it? Tennessee, you know, Tennessee misses every shot they take for the last six and a half minutes. Auburn rebounds, you know, pretty much. I think they only got maybe one or two offensive rebounds that entire stretch. Auburn out rebounds. Uh, you know, doubles up Tennessee uh, for I think the final ten minutes of the game in rebounding. So I mean, that's that's the key. That's the difference. We can talk about Auburn shooting better, executing better with their offense late, but it's really you know the identity of this team is they win and they're usually at their best when they rebound and they defend well. Um, and so that's that's going to have to be key in this game because Arkansas, I know they're not firing on all cylinders on offense right now but i mean they everybody they that takes the floor from them is capable of driving and shooting and scoring on you so uh, you need to make sure they don't get as many second and third opportunities as possible and then justin when you look at this arkansas game is there a i don't know is there a disadvantage for this tigers team going into playing this game that you only saw arkansas once this year as opposed to seeing some of these teams twice I think it's a disadvantage that you didn't see Arkansas when they were at full strength. I think it'd be different when it's like you beat Arkansas in, um, you know, you beat Arkansas earlier this year when, when Nick Smith was still out there, you know, or when Arkansas a little bit closer, because um, that was in the first half of the season, uh, really early in the season. So, yeah, I think, I don't know if it's a super big disadvantage, um, but I do think it's like one of those things where you kind of have the fresh um, perspective of it's just like, hey, we know what happened in the last game. We can learn from that. But honestly, this is just a different matchup and a different game than, than what we saw, you know, almost two months ago. Justin, I'm going to keep peppering you with questions here. So, you, you only get you we get you once a week. So, all, we know Auburn's going to play Arkansas on Thursday. If they win, they've got a matchup with a Texas A&M team that uh, it was a, a, a blowout in Neville Arena. You met them the first time, and then a very I don't want to say controversial, but a, a, a difficult game to lose on the road at College Station the second time you met them. What 
difference do you think is between this Auburn team now and when you last saw this Texas A&M team, and what, what do you think the Tigers have learned from those two games? I think Auburn's shooting the ball better, obviously, over the last month of the season. Um, they are doing a much better job of, of, of taking shots and hitting shots, and they started doing some of that against A&M when it was at College Station. Um, so I think offensively they're playing with a lot more confidence. Um, you know, they're playing with a lot more efficiency. They've done it against you know some of the best defenses in the country, which is always a good sign. But on top of that, I think the big thing for Auburn is like they have won a game and they've won, you know, they had a couple of games here um, during that stretch where you look at Ole Miss, you look at Missouri, and then you look at the Tennessee game where they won because they got stops. And, you, you know, obviously setting the tone against Missouri with their defense uh, in that game, coming out late and pulling away from Ole Miss with their defense and rebounding. And then it was the, it was the sole reason why they won against Tennessee. You're going to have to do that against A&M. A&M is really, really good. They run a lot of good stuff. They make it hard for you to defend them. Um, and they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. So, I mean, it's, it's a tough matchup because I think Texas A&M, you know, they're the number two team in the league for a reason. I think they're, even with a bad non-conference slate they had, they're still firmly in the NCAA tournament just because of how good they've been uh, this year. So, uh, for Auburn, I think, you know, if you do get to rematch A&M in uh, Nashville on Friday, uh, you hope that you're in a situation where, that um, you've 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 learned your, from your mistakes, and I think the big thing is just can you defend them without fouling? Um, because that's just been so crucial to their identity this year is getting to the free throw line, and obviously that was the big reason why A&M won that game in College Station. So um, it's just you've got a lot of learning to do here coming up. Talking to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Justin, let's go ahead towards Selection Sunday now. And I'm curious, and look, I don't want to get ahead of things. Obviously, we've got an entire conference tournament to play, and then Auburn will have to win a game in the NCAA tournament before it gets to this. But just thinking ahead a little bit uh, of how Auburn fans should want the bracket to shake out for them on Sunday – they're probably going to be either in the 7-10 matchup as a 10 seed or the 8-9 matchup. Uh, when you look towards what could happen in the round of 32, again, I, I, stre- I can't stress enough, they've got to win the first one. But if they get to the round of 32, what one or two seed on the board do you think Auburn would have uh, the, the best opportunity to match up with, with it? Because, again, last year we saw the invert of it. We saw Auburn be the high seed to lose in the round of 32. So if Auburn wants to flip the script this year, what top eight team in the country do you think Auburn might be able to match up with? I like the matchups uh, out of Auburn. They're all really good teams, obviously, but I like the matchups most of all as whoever comes out of that, that, that Pac-12 potentially as, as a one or a two seed. I think both UCLA and Arizona, those are teams that have size, but they're not overwhelmingly big backcourts. Um, uh, you know, this is a, a team, you know, UCLA with, with Hakez and Tiger Campbell, that those are guys that, you know, they run that team through their guards. Uh, I think Arizona has been, you know, inconsistent here down the stretch, but a, a really, really good team, obviously. They don't, here's the thing, teams that kill people on the boards are the worst matchups for Auburn, just kind of statistically speaking, uh, this season. So, UCLA and Arizona, of those one and two seeds, aren't as dominant on the boards as, say, like if you had to play a Purdue or a UConn or, you know, uh, a Houston, um, you know, that those would be the ones that would kind of be more avoidable, I think, if you were Auburn. So maybe if you could run into a Pac-12 team, um, you know, that might be kind of your more favorable draw. I also think the Pac-12, just being a weak conference this year, they're not as tested as you might get in some of these other leagues. So 
that that those are the name, names that jump out to mind uh, first and foremost when you think about okay who would Auburn like to see on the other end? But I will say this, you know, Auburn led Alabama for 60 minutes uh, in, the, in the two games they had combined with them this year. Um, they just beat Tennessee, and they almost beat Tennessee on the road. I mean, Auburn should be able to go in the NCAA tournament, and no matter who can, who's on the other side of the uh, of the matchup, they should be able to go in and say, hey, if we play well, we know we can compete with them. I mean, there's nobody in the country that Auburn can't compete with. Um, so I think you got to have that kind of confidence. Some matchups are better than others, uh, but I do think this Auburn team has done a really good job of just kind of molding and, and kind of making what they do on offense uh, and defense uh, work for their potential matchups. Um, but in terms of a talent and execution level, I mean, with what you did at Alabama this year and what you did against Tennessee this year, I don't see why there's any reason in the world why Auburn can't beat anybody that's in front of them uh, in you know the first weekend of the tournament. He's Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Justin, I know busy time of year for you with all the tournament coverage, but what all will be going on with the Auburn Observer here as we get through the SEC and NCAA tournament? Yeah, you can check out the Observer this week. It's going to be a lot of basketball, obviously, with spring break and football taking the week off. Um, so we've got a lot of a lot of basketball up on the site. The story of today um, that you know some people were really caught on to on, on Twitter uh, Auburn's three-point shooting uh, over the last month, last eight games, uh, this is a stretch for them where they are now shooting nearly 40% from deep. Uh, after being one of the worst three-point shooting teams in America for most of the season, they have been one of the best. They've been one of the best in the SEC, and how that can be really, really encouraging. Just kind of how, if you want to know, kind of like how in the heck Auburn is, you know, shooting this well. Uh, broke it down at the Observer today. Got some more stuff coming in these next couple of days to get you ready for the Arkansas game. We'll have a preview podcast as well. And then I'm heading up to Nashville tomorrow. So um, however long Auburn's up there, I'll be up there. We'll have a, plenty of coverage from it, uh, both on the newsletter and the podcast side. Sign up at AuburnObserver.com. It's $40 for your, fir- for your first year if you sign up today. Um, you know We're running, running that special, so you get a full year of the Observer for just $40. Uh, so anywhere you sign up on the site, you can get that deal, auburnobserver.com. Justin, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Be safe going up to Nashville. Have a good time, and we'll talk again soon. Yep, see you guys. That is Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us today on Sports Call. One more, fi- one more timeout excuse me, in hour number two. Back to wrap up hour number two in just a moment. Want to know how easy it is to listen to our show? All you have to do with your Amazon smart device is say, Alexa, play Sports Call Auburn. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn.
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy with me here. Just a couple more minutes left in hour number two. Again, we appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us on the show today. Justin has traveled pretty much every single place that that basketball team has gone. Uh, we appreciate his coverage. The Auburn Observer is a great read and a great subscription and again as you uh as you just heard forty dollars for an entire year's worth of it they do podcasts over there a lot of written content highly recommend uh, the work that justin ferguson does there with the auburn observer and we appreciate him for being on the show yep uh baseball game tonight auburn's lineup is out uh case howell is going to be leading off cole foster second justin kirby getting the third spot ike irish Superstar freshman uh, batting cleanup. Bryson Ware um, coming off his big weekend batting fifth. Bobby Pierce uh, designated here. Chris Stanfield uh, hitting seventh. Um, we mentioned Stanfield um, big time weekend for a uh, freshman um, getting the start in left field. Nate LaRue batting eighth at catcher. Brody Moss playing second base batting ninth. And Tommy Vale getting the start on the bump. So that's your lineup against UAB, which will be Starting what time? Six, Six o'clock. o'clock. Six. Five forty-five airtime over on yeah. FM Talk ninety-three point nine. We'll make sure we're off the air to uh, by around that time to if let you, everyone. You know, if you can't get into the stands, go up to the top of the parking deck. See our guy Kevin yeah, Ives at Plainsman Parking Lot, who uh, was on the show with us yesterday, and that whole crew. So uh, yeah. yeah, I can't believe he missed a home series, but you know he's also got to live his life. He has a life. So, yeah, so. that's the thing. <laughs> um, but just uh, he can't be to all of them as much as he would right. like to be. Uh, but this is going to be a busy week for Auburn baseball. Five yeah. games in six days. You mentioned it to us off the break. The possibility of potentially losing one of these just from pure numbers with the pitching staff. You sure. got a couple guys out right now. Uh, UAB is okay. They're still in rebuild mode under under Casey Dunn. I know they took one out of three from Notre Dame, but to be truthful, I do not think Notre Dame is particularly good right. uh, in baseball. Uh, but you know these midweek games when they're in state teams, it's something that the smaller sports are always a big fan of. They happen in baseball and softball all the time. It's not something we see as much of, obviously, in basketball, but certainly not in football uh, unless it's just once a year. And so you, all these baseball teams get a crack at it, you know, and, and sometimes uh, you can get lightning to strike. Obviously, baseball is a much more of a random outcome sport uh, that, you know, sometimes you say, how could how could that happen? Well, because ba- baseball has a lot, lot going on that's yeah. different. It's a lot less about the athletes and uh, there's, a, there's a lot more of, of randomness to yeah. it. Yeah, Casey Dunn's teams usually give Auburn fits, so... Uh... It, it, it could be an interesting interesting one tonight. Um, I, I think UAB is going to put the points on the board. It's just see if Auburn's offense can keep matching it like they did against Lipscomb. Then Auburn will have JSU on Wednesday, southeastern Louisiana over the weekend. We'll continue to talk all things Auburn athletics when we come back after this timeout. Two hours of the show complete. A lot more fun straight ahead. Stay tuned. More sports call after this. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here today. Fun show so far. Appreciate Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us. Also got to make a couple of quick announcements here before we go back to our Auburn Bank phone line. Um, We... Obviously, when J.J. was the host, we did a lot of fun segments on this show. I think the two most popular were probably Wacky Wednesday and Town Name Tuesday. And we are excited to announce that next Tuesday, Town Name Tuesday will return. So Town Name Tuesday will be back. We'll we'll kind of hide the details of what states it will be until next week. But Town Name Tuesday will return next Tuesday and then... Uh, a little bit later, probably not next week, but the week after, tentatively, we are planning to return Wacky Wednesday. So those will both be returning in the month of March, but Town Name Tuesday will be back uh, next Tuesday, and we're excited about that. Also, for some scheduling purposes for us, uh, tomorrow's sports call will be almost in its entirety, but we do have one slight scheduling conflict with Auburn softball, but it's abnormal because it's on the front end. So at 1 o'clock... Auburn softball will take on Georgia Tech right here on Tiger 95.9. A typical softball game takes about two hours. That would have it ending around three, which is our normal start time. Then there's usually a 15 or 20 minute post game show. So we anticipate starting just a smidge late tomorrow. Now, if the game goes really quickly, there's still a scenario where we end up starting right around three o'clock. But there's also, if the softball game goes slower, we could end up starting around 3 30, 3 45, maybe even four if there's extra innings or, or, or something completely abnormal about it. So just be aware that we will have a show tomorrow, but we cannot promise that it actually starts right at three o'clock because. Uh, of Auburn softball so just wanted to throw that out there we will have a Friday show this weekend or this week that has not happened in several weeks has not happened since the end of January so we will be on five days because Auburn softball does not have a doubleheader uh, on Friday so we will have a show on Friday so that will be fun to get back towards a fun Friday and that sort of stuff but again just wanted to let everyone know that if you are tuning in right around 3 o'clock, you might hear Auburn softball tomorrow or the postgame show, something like that. We will be on just a few minutes after uh, the broadcast concludes tomorrow. All right, let's go back to our Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the show today, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Hey, I couldn't be be doing any better, guys. Say for asking, uh, how's it going? Oh, well, we're doing, doing quite great, well. Yeah. Okay, so it's Tom, uh, you, Ryan, and uh, who else? And Brooks. And Brooks, okay. All right, so let's get to it, guys. First, I enjoyed the uh, comments made uh, I listened to the podcast last night by uh, the gentleman, I forgot his name, uh, who's in charge of Bridgestone. Um, Sean Henry, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I would never have thought that the Predator Auburn hat came in number two. 
Yeah, very very good showing of Auburn alumni and Auburn support there in Nashville. Wow. So that was a pleasant surprise. Well, let's get to it. You know, guys, I believe in being fair and balanced, you know, like some other so-called news program TV show likes to call themselves. And I know uh, from callers and listeners that I've been characterized this time, even most recently by Tony, as or I guess, uh, or as a whiner complainer when it comes to Auburn, uh, not getting maybe their just uh, deserved uh, recognition. However, I've been outdone. And in the atmosphere of being fair and balanced, uh, there is a whiner who I'd say is the king of whiner complainers. And uh, here's where I'm coming from. Uh, this is the, uh, the, the comment that I want to quote to you guys, okay? And it goes something like this. Quote, I've always been an advocate for playing more conference games, but if you play more games... I think you have to get the three fixed opponents right. They're giving us Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU. I don't know how they came or come to that decision. End of quote. Nick Saban. You win, sir. Yep. Uh, are you kidding me? You are going to be complaining and whining because you don't get Vanderbilt? Uh, because you don't get South Carolina? And by the way... Uh, I can't even make sense of this. You play Auburn and LSU every darn year, do you not already? And Tennessee, yep. And Tennessee. So what is the beef, guys? Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that is um, – I, I certainly don't agree with him. Uh, that it could have even been worse than that. I mean, you, you could have played uh, Oklahoma or, or Texas and, and have that big brand matchup or something. Or Georgia. Uh, or Georgia. Uh, yeah, I so you know, what if you had to play Georgia as a permanent every year? Yeah, there's still, yeah, there's still programs that, that could have been worse than that. Ultimately, your, Alabama would be playing their three biggest rivals. And, and, and look, I know that overall, yes, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn are top half of the SEC programs. I get that. But there's still... Uh, you know they they make all the sense in the world for who Alabama's been playing, has always played, will always play, and again they're still you know at, at their peak. They're still not one of the two or three biggest programs in the SEC alongside of Alabama. That would again be the two new ones coming in the league, or or what Georgia's doing right now. So they are big programs. I get that, but that's not irrationally difficult um, from my point of view. I mean, we get. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, you come every darn year, you know. Uh, so, you know, but he didn't get away with this because I've been reading uh, responses on Twitter and, and from other sports writers. I guess you've seen them. Yeah, I've seen some of them. From yeah. Andy Staples down the line. Um, but I just, you know, you know, you people categorize me who are Alabama listeners uh, or Georgia listeners as being a whiner. Hey, I step aside. This to me is the yeah, it's it's definitely uh, complaining about something that uh, I, I mean I, I get trying to I mean I don't know I yeah I'm not I'm not really uh, I I know what Nick Saban's thinking but I just I just don't agree with it. Okay, moving on, guys. Uh, about uh, the fall uh, terms coming up. If you haven't seen it, uh, you may want to look at this article. It's by Two Four Seven Sports. I guess he's a sports writer, Isaac Trotter. Do you know, are you familiar with his name? I've heard the name, but I, I've not really uh, read much of his work. Okay, this just came out, uh, well, at least I just saw it this, uh, this morning. But it's entitled, College Basketball's Ten Takes. 
UNC can't shake bad habits. Michigan is in late game hell, and SEC's Defensive Player of the Year blunder. So I went down the list, and uh, this is what he pointed out. Uh, these are some of his. Well, the there I want to see if you agree with this or not. It's the defense, defensive player of the year, uh, and what he said was that somebody got robbed. Thanks. He said Liam Robbins did not deserve to be conference defensive player of the year. Who do you think he said did deserve it? I'm going to put two and two together. If you're bringing it up, I'm going to say Janai Broom. No. Okay. What's wrong? Colin Castleton. Okay. And his defense is this. He says, Colin Castleton uh, did all these things. Uh, he apparently uh, did a lot better stat-wise uh, than uh, Liam Robbins. He goes down the list uh, how well he did compared to uh, Liam Robbins on down. So I thought, well, do you guys uh, do you agree with that, that Castleton got robbed or that Liam Robbins did deserve it? You know, here here's the thing. I, I'm not comfortable taking a strong stance on that because I didn't see enough of Robbins. I, I've seen a lot of Castleton uh, over time, and he certainly makes an incredibly impactful defensive effort. Uh, him not being out there for Florida the last few games is noticeable both offensively and defensively. So I do know that Castleton is an impactful defensive player. But I, I, I admittedly... I've not studied Robbins' defensive habits. I know that he gets fouled a lot. <laughs> That's what I know about Liam Robbins, but and that he's a good offensive player. But but I, I I would not be able to accurately judge what kind of defensive impact he has for Vandy. Okay, well then, real quickly, I'll just let you know what he came up with. He says opponent shot opponents shot forty eight point eight percent on twos against Vanderbilt when Robbins was in the game. Okay, that number only jumped to forty nine point five with him. Sitting on the bench. All right. Opponents, on the other hand, shot 35 percent at the rim against Castleton. Opponents shot 63.4 percent at the rim against Robin. Wow. Yeah, that's a big difference there for sure. Yet they passed him up. Why do you think that might? I, I'm just curious. What do you think uh, may have happened that Castleton was overlooked like that? I, I I don't know if him getting injured had anything to do with it. Missing four or five games or. Uh, you know, I, I really, I, I don't know. I, I, I could not tell you. I know Castleton has been a well-respected player in the league for a while. Uh, so it's, it's not, not that people don't know about him. You would have thought it might have worked the other way that people don't know enough about Robbins. Like, like again, I, I'm talking about me not watching him defensively much. So uh, I, I, it, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, moving on. Here's some other uh, comments he says. Michigan's late-game nightmares. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the Michigan, uh, was it an Illinois game? Yeah, I saw some of it. I think I saw, well, did, did that go to the overtime? Yeah, okay, and then they yeah. lost. I saw the yeah. overtime. Then, I'm yeah. sorry, it was Indiana. They lost 75-73. Right. So he talks about, you know, I thought our team, Auburn, you know, was just, you know, god-awful, you know, in closing games. No. This is, here's what he came up with. Michigan's record in closing games under the current coach in the last four years is Record is thirteen and twenty-one. Fourteen and, and games, twenty-one, yeah. Right. These are games he goes from two thousand twenty-two when he starts in two thousand twenty to two thousand twenty-three season. He was two and three, two and three, five and three, and four and twelve. Now the previous coach, John Bellini's final five years in close games, he was twenty and twenty-one. Yeah, I mean, noticeable difference there. So I, I thought Auburn was bad at closing games, but I, I guess we got beat there. 
Yeah, it sounds, uh, their, their coach uh, wasn't that great. Yeah, sounds like uh, Michigan's been in a lot of positions there. I mean, that's a lot of close games for a couple of years for Jawan Howard, and uh, th- yeah, they've been perennially on the bubble. And he talks about North Carolina. He says they're now rated dead last among all Power Six teams with a dreadful twenty-five point six percent shooting mark on guarded catch and shoot jumpers. He says that ranks three hundred sixtieth out of three hundred sixty-three Division One teams ahead ahead of who? Davidson and Ryder. Yikes! Yeah. What happened? Yeah, they've uh, they've had a lot of issues that I could probably take the rest of the show to talk through steve i mean they have uh they've had it rough they've had uh, some issues with potentially not playing focused uh they've had uh they've got obviously still a second year head coach in hebert davis that is decidedly not roy williams and uh they've they've had a lot of issues and uh they're uh, unless something shocking happens they're going to be the first team since the NCAA tournament expanded to 64 teams, and then obviously it's 68 now, but since it expanded from 32 to 64, they're going to be the first team to be preseason number one and not make the NCAA tournament. Oh, is, that, is that a record then? Yeah, it's going to be first time since the tournament's been 64. It's oh, not, my God. It's not the only team ever because when it was 32 teams, uh, NC State missed it one year when they were oh. preseason number one and a couple others. But, yeah, first time since the 70s. Wow. All right. Guys, we haven't talked about this, and I was wondering if you're going to bring it up. But you know, the weekend, what happened with Mark Adams, right? Uh, yeah, I do know a little bit about that, yes. Yeah, he got suspended for using some type of biblical passage comparing his coaching to slavery and obeying your master, apparently to an individual who, who I guess he thought wasn't being compliant enough in uh, obeying you know, his coaching style. Well, this is one of the ones that are brought up. Um, Texas Tech says way too good of a job to keep Mark Adams around. And I've been reading some comments from other writers today, and they're saying probably Mark Adams is out the door. You guys know anything? Do, do you agree that he, he needs to be removed? Yeah, I, I think um, what we've seen with Tech, you know, obviously they had Chris Beard before Mark Adams. So that's, and now he bearded get in trouble with Tech, but that is two uh, situations in a row. And uh, I know they're still investigating. They're supposed to wrap up interviews sometime this week. I, I'd imagine he's not going to keep his job, but I, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, apparently, uh, another comment that he was quoted by some other players saying that he said to another player, "I can spit on you whenever I want to." Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. I, I know the you know he read a Bible. Passage, um, and, yeah, and I mean the Old Testament. Yeah, and, and it dealt it, it dealt with a lot more than slavery. I mean, it just dealt with about you know he he was talking to a kid who was apparently not uh, taking coaching very well, and the Bible passage dealt with uh, you know a lot more than just slavery. But the slavery is part no, of the passage, but and of yeah, the but the slavery part is is you know what got him in trouble. But yeah, I mean he, he's just. Uh, I mean, he he was reading a Bible passage and it was taken the wrong way, and now he's suffering the consequences of it. And he didn't apologize. He said he was sticking by what he said. But the whole thing says it talks about you know for teachers, parents, uh, and slaves uh, to obey their master. But well, first, he's not their master. 
Well, and and I'm sure if, if you were to talk to him, he wouldn't say that. He was he was reading the Bible passage. They don't get that kind of quote. I know, I know, but Steve, I'm telling you, he, I guarantee you the guy was not like I am your master and you are my slave. I mean, it, it's not that the guy got a, the the player got upset and offended by the Bible verse that was read, and and he reported it. But I I don't believe for a second that 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 coach believes that he is the master over his slaves i i just i don't buy that okay well um then this one if this is legitimate i can i can spit on you whenever i want to wow when I, and i haven't heard i haven't heard that um again this comes I, from jeff goodman yeah i don't know the i don't know the context of that because um, i have not heard that quote but um you know i i don't know the context there there could be if it's in the context of of just actually like hawking a big old loogie and spitting it on somebody or is he yelling at somebody and and they're catching some spray from him yelling and they got mad so don't spit on me and he said i'll spit on you if i if i need to when he's yelling at him i again i don't know the context of that now if the dude's hawking loogies and spitting in their face yeah got a problem with that if he's just screaming at them and they're catching some spray, then they're just getting screamed at and they don't like it. Well, yeah, fair enough. You know, I don't know what the context was, but yeah. anyway, uh, last one. These, according to this writer, are the best eight five-man lineups from regular season. The teams that he picked, uh, some are not surprising, Purdue's, Marquette's, number four, Auburn's, Today, Broom, Alan Flanagan, Wendell Green, Zip Gastric, Jaden Williams. Yeah. UCLA's, Utah State's, Utah State, wow, Boise State and Arizona's. Uh, guys, were you surprised at Auburn? He picked Auburn as one of the uh, eight uh, starting five? On the surface, yeah, a little bit just because of, of what Auburn has been as a team. But when you think about how reliant they are on really five players, but you can almost break it down to four, and, and four of those five are in that lineup. Uh, because again, we we talked a little bit earlier in the show about them not getting much out of Flanagan, or beside, they don't get much out of guys except for Flanagan, Williams, Broom, uh, Wendell Green, and then lately Katie Johnson. Other than that, other guys play, but they don't really contribute much to the stat sheet. So, uh, it, it most of Auburn's production can be found in four of those five players. So, when you think of it in that context, it does start to make some more sense. Ricky, I'm just pleased to see that that someone actually thought uh, our five starters uh, were you know pretty good, and this one uh, is a shocker to me. Maybe not to you guys. He says, "Beware of USC." He says he calls them a very scary team to go up against in March, and why? Because he says USC rates in the 96th percentile in rim defense per some by some website called Synergy, and he says. They're in the 87th percentile in pick-and-roll defense. All right. I didn't know they were that good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have known either. That's uh, okay. that's very good at that one, one thing. All right. Now, since this is sports call, I'll leave you with this little uh, nugget. Today is a day that, uh, thank goodness, it occurred, or I wouldn't be able to do what you're doing with us. In 1876, on March the 7th, Alexander Graham Bell patented the telephone. Awesome. Heck yeah. So there we go. All right, guys. Hey, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Let me ramble. And uh, I'm sorry I lost the uh, the award for uh, 
best grumbler and whiner and complainer because uh, Nick Saban took it away from me. Uh, but maybe uh, I can uh, maybe I can reclaim that award later on during football season. All right, with that said, guys, my time is up. We're playing tonight at six o'clock, right? Baseball. Yeah, yeah ball yeah. and baseball. Okay, on TV or just radio? Uh, it's going to be on the SEC Network Plus. Okay, I'll uh, I'll watch them. All right, guys, thank you again for your time. I know our time is way way up. Have a relaxing afternoon, and uh, tomorrow we'll do it again. Until then, War Eagle, and I look forward to. Tuesdays, town names, right? Town name Tuesday, next Tuesday. You're right, Steve. All right, look forward to it. War Eagle, Steve. That is retired War Eagle Steve joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. Let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-341 locally, toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. Are you guys? Doing all right. Doing great. You know, the story that Steve was talking about, I saw that Sunday night and uh, everything, and I read it and went over and thought about it. And, uh, you know, I was going to call you guys Monday and talk about it, but then I changed my mind. I said, well, I'm not going to mess with that. Uh, That's a very controversial topic, a hot topic, and I was going to leave it alone. But after he called in and and put in his two cents, his perspective of what he thought or whatnot, then I said, yeah, maybe I do need to call in and and put in my side of it. What I might think, you know, uh, everybody's always entitled to opinion, and we all respect that, whether you agree or disagree or, or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, uh, motivating players. I, I've been a college athlete before and this and that. But, you know, there's ways of motivating people without doing stupid stuff like that. There was no reason. If you're going to quote a Bible uh, verse or, or passage, there's nothing wrong with that. But I would not quote one. I'm a Christian, but, but I'm not a perfect person. But I would not uh, quote something and mention anything about any kind of slaves or being obedient to any kind of master. You know, there's always different ways of reaching certain athletes. Some you can reach and some you can't. Perhaps that athlete may have been at the wrong school for whatever reason. You know, uh, perhaps a lie was told when he was recruited and that got in the sign and then things just ain't what it should be because a lie was told. Perhaps if he went somewhere else, perhaps he would be given the energy and, and effort and everything that the coach is looking for. So, you know, those things, you never know till you get to a school sometimes, and the average person don't know that because he ain't been through that. But as I was saying here, uh, you know, a guy was out of line for using something like that, and I'm going to tell you something, and I want you all to listen if you give me time to talk. You know, if you look at the formation of this country when it was formed uh, all those years ago, when you get a group of privileged people come over here and they figure, well, I figured out a way I can make me some money and we can develop this land, this country. But when you go get slaves and you treat people the way they were treated, we all know uh, the horror stories and all the uh, ills of society. But when you take people and you develop laws and a whole, you structure a whole system, everything from the court system, banking system, financial health care, educational system, all the laws and, and things in the Constitution, everything that goes against one group of people and favor another group where they can excel and then uh, and keep a person under your thumb for hundreds and hundreds of years. You control everything about this person as if they were a farm animal. And then to more modern present day, for a guy that is of the previous society, to go into a passage like that, talking about a slave and somebody's master, and do something that stupid like that to insult somebody. Don't get me wrong. I know it's a, a, in the Bible. What well, he says in the Bible, the Bible does talk about stuff like that, but I ain't read nothing in depth, but I know it's there. But uh, even I would be offended 
coming from a, a privileged person uh, talking like that. Now, if that was a sermon in church, that might be one thing different. But to be in a setting like that, uh, this college athlete, a student athlete, if you will, and then for a coach to do that, the guy needs to be fired. You can't motivate nobody like that. And then this guy's a Muslim on top of that. So, you know, if you had a Muslim come to me talking about some kind of Muslim stuff, I understand they, that might be their faith and this and that, but that's not mine. That ain't nothing I believe in as far as Muslim or Buddha or any other uh, form of religion. But I do understand that in this country, people have the right to worship, believe, uh, whatever vision they might have. You have to always respect that whether you like it or not. Now, I can't get mad at somebody upset because they got different beliefs than mine. I'm willing to listen to anything they're willing to say, but I don't have to uh, live by that creed or whatever they're living by. I don't have to live by it. You know what I'm saying? But I, there's nothing wrong with listening to somebody's point of view because you can always learn something from listening to other people's point of view, which don't never hurt, whether you agree or not. But this guy going to have to be removed. He can't be leading young men and, and talking that kind of nonsense. And I know you say you went buying into it and this and that. But see, a lot of times when you hadn't been uh, – Unlanded by his thumb, had been treated a certain way, you have no understanding. You know, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when I bought my very first Mustang, I was 41 years old at the time. And I was in a residential neighborhood. And you all know when you get in a residential neighborhood, you might see a sign that it may say 35. And then all of a sudden, the next one you see a few feet away will be 30. And just a few more feet away is 25. Well, I messed around. I was at 35 when I got to where the cop was. But I should have been at 25 at that point. So he pulled me over and uh, gave him a license. He checked me out. He come back. He said, hold on a minute. I I'll be back. He come back again. He said, hold on. I'll be back again. And then the third time he came back, he's shaking his head. He said, I can't believe this. I said, what's wrong, officer? He said, uh, you're 41 years old, and, and, and I didn't call you in, and, and they say you ain't never been arrested, and you ain't got a warrant of no kind. He said he couldn't believe that because I was black. And he assumed that I should have already been arrested for something. Should already been had a warrant or something. He, he just couldn't believe it. He said he just, that's just rare. A man your age to never been arrested for anything. Don't have a warrant for anything. And, and he said I hate to even give you a speeding ticket now. So that's what I'm trying to. That's what a lot of people. That's I use that example for you to understand. When you ain't been through certain things, you have no understanding. You know, uh, when a cop pulls a black man over, it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're gonna get. You don't know if you're gonna be able to survive and go home, or he gonna kill you because he's scared of you. Uh, you know, or uh, whatnot. You just never know. But uh, that's something that, that I'm putting out here where people can get a better understanding of what's going on in society. in society. You don't have to be a criminal. You don't have to have done anything wrong. Some people can just be scared or afraid of you just because something they was told or perceived some kind of notion or something about you uh, because society say this is what you are, that's who you are, and you're not that particular thing or whatnot. So... That's something that uh, people get a better understanding and we might get along in this society. But I thought I would say that and, uh, you know, whatever kind of rebuttal response you guys got, I'll let's hear. No, I mean, I, I think that you, you covered every part of it, the human element, the, um, the, the part of roles when you're believing, uh, when you might believe different things and, and how to live uh, lives according to your own beliefs, but also be aware of others and, um, and also the background of, of how race plays into this, too. I, I sure. think that you did a great job there of, of relaying everything. And I think that uh, to the original matter of, of Adams, uh, the, the Texas Tech head coach, I mean, surely he, he's got to know when you're in a position of leadership how 
you've got to be extra aware of how to talk to your players. As a leader, you're supposed to know what is going to motivate them properly, what they what they need to hear, what they uh, just just what how they should be communicated with. And obviously, this is something that he should not have used uh, to try and motivate sure. his, his guys, whether it's from the Bible or not. So. Uh, I think your points are, are well taken, and um, I, I I think you did a good job of explaining everything. Yeah, and, well, and, well, and, and I was going to jump in. I, it, what, what he said and the things, you know, the reference that he made, and especially if he actually used the word slaves, if he, you know, did not read the the actual passage, if he just said, you know, this talks about workers, you know, you know, work your workers and again, you know, workers versus bosses, slaves versus servants. I mean, you can't address, especially a black athlete like that. You just can't. And so, but I don't, I, I don't think that it was done. I don't believe that it was done with animosity and hatred. That it, it was very reckless. It was a very reckless thing he said, and it and it offended him. I mean, this guy's been coaching basketball for for a very long time. He has coached many, many, many black athletes. So I, the guy didn't just suddenly become a, a racist and say racist things. I think he said something extremely reckless that offended a guy, uh, and it was you know not meant to be in a hateful way but it was taken that way and he's now paying the consequences of that you know he probably been doing stuff like that all the time but nobody just never uh, reported it i mean you know you got people that do that all the time they, they, they you know what when you can talk to people any kind of way you want i mean use another example here all right let's say you got uh i remember when i got my first job as a, i was 14 years old when i got my first summer job and i was working uh here within the city of Auburn. And there was an individual that was talking to another individual any kind of way he wanted, using derogatory words. And the other the individual that he was talking to was black, and the individual was laughing and carrying on. But see, the thing was with that, the privileged person had been doing that all the time and then couldn't see that he shouldn't have been doing that. And then the black individual was worried about losing his job, bringing the bread home to feed his family. So he sat there and took it because that's the way he thought he needed to do to keep his job. So those things can go on like that for years, and people not understand that. You know, my granddaddy worked at our University for 35 or 40 years, and he thought that he and he raised a he had a farm going too. And every time they would kill hogs or any kind of livestock, he thought he would have to take pretty much all the meat over there and give it to his boss to help him keep his job. He believed that. He thought that's what he needed to do. And people to this day, even though we're in 2023, some people still think like that. But they just got different ways of doing things. Instead of taking some meat you kill, you just might stop by Jim and Nick's and buy a $40 dinner and give it to your boss uh, once a week or something. You got people still doing stuff like that. I got co-workers that do that. I'm trying to tell you. It still go on in different shapes, form, and fashion. Stuff like that still exists in, in some circles. So uh, don't be surprised. But, you know, that's just what goes on uh, in, society, in some parts of society. Some people can't understand it. Some people can't see it. But like I said, if you ain't never experienced anything like that, or if nobody's ever opened your eyes to that, you can't see that. I'm just going to tell you the truth. And I know you probably don't believe what I'm saying, or probably don't want to comprehend it, but hey, <laughs> that's just what it can be with some people. Yeah. But, uh, well, no, I get it. And, 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 so, and actually, I, I, while we've been sitting here talking, I, I pulled it up, and apparently the verse that he read 
uh, comes from Luke 17. Uh, Jesus recounted the story often from the parable of the master and servant. In 1 Peter 2.18, the apostle Peter wrote, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Um, that's, that is, that's the passage that he was referencing. Probably shouldn't have referenced it. He shouldn't have used it. It's well, a bad, ju- bad judgment. And, and again, and that's what I'm saying. I, I agree. Bad judgment. Very, very, very bad judgment. But I don't believe for a second that the guy did it out of animosity and out of just pure, unadulterated racism towards this player. It was very reckless and it was taken with offense. But it was not. I don't believe. Now, I could be completely wrong about this guy. The guy. This guy might be a full-fledged neo-Nazi card-carrying KKK member. I don't know that. But I suspect, as long as he has been coaching and been around black athletes, that he is not that and that he just used a passage that was reckless towards who he was using it towards and it, and the player was offended. Well, you know, I, I think he knew better. But he just done it, done it anyway. You know, uh, I can recall when I was in high school or at Auburn High School, I'm not going to call any names, but this coach thought that, uh, you know, at that time I was in pretty good physical condition with all the weight lifting and everything, and it was at that age when all the hormones and testosterone start circulating more than it is when you're 50 years old. And uh, I responded very well to weight lifting. Anything that a coach asked me to lift, I could get it, no matter what it, what it was. And it was just unbelievable. But, uh, but the fact of that is genetic makeups and genes, too. You know, uh, my dad had told me about how strong my granddaddy was and great-granddaddy was, so I figured that's why I got that from. But uh, long story short, there was a, a girl there, too. That, um, she wasn't an athlete in that thing, but a coach saw her and saw me. Uh, I was coming out of the gym one day, and he saw this, this, this uh, uh, it was a black girl. And he said, you know what? He said, that woman there make you a good wife because if you two get together, y'all could uh, produce probably a super athlete. See, that's, that's, it's a thought process. I mean, he come up with that. Sure. See, it, that's what I'm trying to tell you. People just ain't started doing this kind of nonsense. Oh no, I, I, I agree. People say yeah. reckless. People say reckless yeah. things all the time. The intent, the intent is not to be offensive. The intent is yeah. not to be uh, angry and racist towards you or towards yeah. somebody. That's not the intent. But yeah. sometimes was- words, sometimes words come out very not the way that they're supposed to be, and it offends somebody. Yeah, that probably wasn't his intent, but as I say, you know, as you can do things for a long period of time and nobody correct you, then you can't see you're wrong. Everything you do like that is going to be right because sure. uh, there's nobody to tell you that you can't do that. See that? So, uh, yeah. So, But I think they need to go ahead and uh, if they're going to cut the guy a check and let him ease on in the retirement. He's 66 years old, in my understanding. Just go ahead and, and give him, uh, well, I mean... Maybe they might, may not have to pay him. Since he did that, maybe there, there's a clause that he sh- uh, may not have to be paid uh, since he done something like that. Uh, but anyway, he needs to be dismissed and going into the reti- uh, retirement, go sit on the beach, go fishing or whatever a retired person does, and go do exactly that and, and not be uh, in any position at any level for a sports go high school, junior high, junior college, college or whatnot, and get on out of the way. And then maybe we all can learn from this, but apparently nobody can learn from anything on that side of the country because you think about it. Didn't Oklahoma have assistant coach just last year uh, messed around and quoted something that read something something that a player had written that that was uh, derogatory as far as uh, race goes or in that uh, arena and said something stupid in public? They ran in front of all the other players and, and it ended up uh, having to resign. 
I can't remember that. Yeah, I think it was an Oklahoma, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma assistant football coach. Yeah, Wasn't he like reading yeah. rap lyrics or something? I think so. Yeah. So he was reading rap lyrics, and I guess the rap lyrics had the N word in it, and he was reading the rap lyrics. And yeah, we talked the, about it last year. His intent was to embarrass that player in front of everybody else. But uh, he re- didn't realize what he was reading and then went too far with it. He never should have done that. There was no way to handle that. You know, back in the old days, if, uh, when I was playing, if you went to sleep in a meeting and went paying attention, they just get a cup of water and pour it over your head. Everybody got a laugh out of something like that, you know? But uh, but when you say something like that, there ain't no laugh to be had. But, gentlemen, I appreciate the time. Uh, maybe all the listeners, maybe, maybe they've learned something today. Maybe not. Maybe they don't care. But that'd be what it'd be. I'll be calling y'all later on when that tournament get kicked off. Uh, when they kick off Thursday, Friday, I, I want to know because I, I got a couple of days off and I want to see some of this basketball. Yep, Thursday for Auburn and then Alabama's first game will be on Friday. Well, we'll see how that shake and bake. But while we're talking about Alabama, I've been wanting to call in about that. I've been kind of disappointed when you look at everything that's happened with that shooting and the lady getting killed and everything. And, and as more days and weeks go by and more developments and more things come out, it's just bittersweet. You know, I was looking forward to Bama – like I called a few weeks ago, ranting and raving and hollering and crying and carrying on how he's going to win this and win that and how excited I was going to be. But that excitement has faded with more and more details about this shooting. It's just bittersweet. Bittersweet to just sour now. And I really don't care if they what they do in the tournament, whether they advance or go home and crawl on a rock. Uh, I mean, it just left a sour, bad taste in my mouth, and I hate the whole thing. I'll talk to you all later. Sounds good, Anthony. Appreciate right. your phone call. Appreciate your perspective there. Uh, guys, we did not get to take a break uh, in this hour. Uh, <laughs> we are out of time. We don't even have time for a nightly TV guide. Lots uh, of basketball on tonight. There's your nightly TV guide brought to you uh, by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Um, but appreciate Anthony's perspective. If you want to call on the show again, we'll be on air tomorrow. Uh, just after 3 o'clock is our anticipated start time due to Auburn softball. Tom, thank you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow. Absolutely. Brooks, thank you for being here. We'll see you tomorrow as well. Yes, sir. And we thank Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer for joining us today. And as always, we thank all those who tuned in and called in and all the different perspectives that that brings. For Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Tuesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.